Hello! Welcome to the first episode of A Bit of This and A Bit of That. I am so excited to start this. My name is Yaleh Zamzuli Barani. And in a moment, we're going to be talking about Hyrule Anwar, Indonesia's modern literary giant, about his life and his poetry. So, a short story before we officially kick off the first episode. So, when I made a trailer and informed some of my friends about me making a podcast, my friend asked me what I was going to be talking about. Who were my target listeners? I, at that time, told her it wasn't specified. This few days, I was a bit sick. I couldn't do anything to start recording or collecting stuff necessary for the upcoming first episode this one. I was supposed to put this out two days ago actually, at the time the fold, but I was without voice for five days so I was practically helpless and had to postpone this, the launch until now. What happened is when I'm exposed to heat for too long or simply too tired, I would immediately, like immediately as in in a few hours, get cold and my throat would subsequently be hard, my voice would be gone and I wouldn't be able to eat solid for days. Uh, after taking medicine and putting my voice on rest for five days, I finally able to finish this and bring you the promised first episode. You can probably still hear the strain in my voice though, but overall I'm doing alright and I hope I sound alright. So, what happens in the last few days, though, makes me think a lot about what my friend asked me. Since making this podcast was a somewhat abrupt decision, I hadn't thought much about many aspects of this podcast. But regarding the intended listeners, I can't exactly pinpoint one particular group of listeners I project to be interested in this podcast. Like... I want this for everyone who perhaps share one or two similar interest or passion with me. And defining one particular group that I hope to listen to this, even though I know it's needed, it's necessary in making a podcast, especially in order to get it more known, you know, the clear objective and stuff. I feel like making it that way will change my way on treating my own podcast. I honestly don't have the strong mentality to put pressure to myself in doing something I genuinely love and passionate about. Of course, it doesn't mean I'm not doing this seriously. I regard this podcast as something very important to me, but no pressure, just like my blog. I would be immensely thankful and happy if people actually listen even if they don't, I'm doing this for myself. There's no plan to make this like so big or get this mixed up with commercial purposes. I mean, how could I? <laughs> I'm practically rambling to my phone. <laughs> But since I started already, I'm gonna do this right. It's a promise to myself. I'm gonna do this right. To my standard at least. In the trailer I previously posted, I already talked about my intention of uh, talking a lot about literature as it is one thing I am most passionate about and as I plan to talk about Uh, literature, I thought, why not starting with an Indonesian literature since I am an Indonesian and I'm quite proud of the works of uh, literature by artists, poets in my country. I'm not sure if people would actually listen to this, to this podcast, but if someone does, and I hope someone does, 
I want to introduce the works of literature in Indonesia and perhaps um, I'll do my part and bring them to be enjoyed by others, some who may not be Indonesian. Um, as there's possibility some of those who listen to this are not Indonesian, I also want to encourage them, encourage you to learn Bahasa Indonesia, to learn to speak Bahasa. Because it's quite easy to learn. It's not really complicated. And you won't miss out on so many great works of literature once you can read and speak Bahasa Indonesia. So I highly encourage you to do so. Oh, just a bit. Um, another short story. So I actually studied Spanish. I learned Spanish because I wanted to perfectly understand Louis Miguel songs. <laughs> El Dia Que Me Queres. That's my initial reason of learning Spanish because it bugged me a lot how I could feel the song, the meaning of the song through the melody but I couldn't exactly make out what the lyrics are actually about so I decided to just learn Spanish anyway, even if you have no interest in learning Bahasa Indonesia I'll still be happy to introduce you to Indonesian literature that I'm very much proud of. So, today in the first episode of A Bit of This and A Bit of That, I'm gonna bring you one of my favorite Indonesian poet of all time. Almost every Indonesian should know this individual, and all poetry or literature enthusiasts should know this artist, regardless of nationality as he wrote mostly about exploring um, being human, the feeling of being human. That individual goes by the name of Hyrule and what? His life and death is inseparable from the development of literary scene in, in Indonesia, as he also had been credited as one huge influence in the development of the current Indonesian language with uh, perfected grammatical rules or in Bahasa popularly called EYD, EYD Ejaan yang disempurnakan So, here I'm bringing you Hairil Anwar Hairil Anwar was born in Medan, North Sumatra on July 26, 1922. He spent his first 17-18 years in Medan where he attended the Dutch School for Indigenous Children or HIS and attended the first and second year classes of the Mulo, it's the equivalent of junior high school. Based on his school, the school he attended, he was believed to have come from a family that was quite affluent or at least fairly prosperous because at that time only those with money could attend those Dutch schools. Uh, he is described as a very intelligent young man with a great passion for books and he was an easy social mixer. While at Mulo, he was always eager to get in contact with students of the HBS, it's another type of high school of a distinctly higher standard, so he was always impelled by an urge to outshine others. He would read books normally read by students who were his seniors in both age and formal education. This um, apparently posed no problems of understanding for him since he, at the time, seems to have acquired a sufficient vocabulary not only of Dutch, but also of English and of German. After his parents divorced, he left to Jakarta with uh, Batavia at the time, the capital of Indonesia, with his mother at the beginning of 1940. 
um, the decision to leave his birthplace was reportedly provoked one hand by his hatred and resentment of his father who at that time had married another woman and on the other hand it's also provoked by his desire to see the capital city which he had heard so much before finally moving to Jakarta sometime in the middle of 1940 he told a friend of his Dharmawijaya that he was forced to leave school because his father had stopped sending him money to compensate for this premature ending of his formal education he would read books whenever and wherever he could borrow them through his extensive reading he became acquainted with poets from both east and west such as Alexander Bloch, Marsman, Slohoff, Elshot, Nietzsche, Rika, Oscar Wilde, Byron, Odin, Eliot, Hemingway, Steinbeck, and many others. It is known that Heidel Anwar took an active part in the Indonesian struggle for independence. He was uh, fighting on the side of the nationalistic movement of 1945 when the British and Dutch forces landed in Jakarta. Some of his poetry were based on his experience when fighting for independence. Hyril Anwar was quite an individual with his fair share of controversy from plagiarism accusation to his messy personal life. Actually, not much of his personal life were known to general public, probably because, probably because in Indonesia, literary studies is not an interest of many. It's quite an exclusive group. But for me, um, growing up with my mom who teaches Bahasa and Sastra Indonesia or in English uh, language and literary studies, I have read a few books dis- discussing uh, Hyrule's personal life. And uh, I have uh, there's this one story I never forget and I feel like I should share this to you. So... <laughs> Um, apparently, Hyril uh, Anwar once wanted to experience the feeling of having sex in public, so he hired a prostitute and had sex with her in a public park in Jakarta. I forget which park exactly, but at the time, I thought that was bizarre, even even right now. <laughs> I'm still thinking, I still think of it as something quite bizarre to do especially in Indonesia <laughs> and aside from that particular story he indeed was famous for being um, a notorious womanizer living life without regard to his health it's it's quite funny actually when I think about it like He is a magnificent artist for sure, but he's not so great of a man, in particular of a husband. He abandoned, he practically abandoned his wife. He left uh, with other women and did so many other things a man, a human, shouldn't be so proud of. I don't usually judge, I hate immediate judgment. But I think we can all agree on that, on this particular matter. And um, actually, I don't want to dive too deep in into the story of his personal life because I'm not clear. It's not clear which one is true and which one is false. Besides um, that, I'm afraid I'll deviate too far from the original purpose of taking you know, the topic of his work into <laughs> the topic of my first episode talking literature 
even though even though i understand there is no way to talk about a work of literature without taking the life of its author into consideration because you know since it comes from within the soul what they experienced in life much or less reflected in their works and there's this one thing um, i also want to share so there are i read this in a book i think it, it's a literary critics there are three qualities of khairil anwar that are acknowledged and for some people that those three are even applauded his uh, nonchalance impoliteness and arrogance <laughs> i'm not quite sure what to say about that <laughs> but hey those qualities must have played great parts in him writing quite a few masterpieces so who are we to judge right going to be talking about my first uh, real encounter encounter is that the right word anyway the first time i really got to know him to know his words so i already mentioned before i was raised in a family that loved books especially since my mom teaches language and literary i was introduced to so many books so many authors so many uh, product spaces of indonesian um, literature from early age so i'm quite familiar with him but there is one specific occasion where i for the first time truly learned about hairil anwar the poet it was when i was in fourth grade and i joined the annual uh, independence celebration representing my school in poetry recital so we were given a number of poets we were taught to choose at the time and i don't really remember how probably because my teacher advised me to But I at the time picked Krawang Bekasi to recite by Hairil Anwar. Uh, in my one week long preparation, I remembered I read a lot about Hairil, and particularly about what inspired the poem Krawang Bekasi. Then in junior high and in high school, his poem Tikla Aku or Me in English, and Doa or Prayer. In English, uh, those two were parts of um, the curriculum. So yeah, that's there's no way to not know him. That, anyway, that's how I got to know him in a deeper sense. I then my mom gifted me a book, a collection of his work. So I've been reading. his works since yeah for a few years already now and still loving it the dutch scholar of indonesian literature andreas du described him as the perfect poet while barton raffel an american translator also a poet and a teacher who wrote the book The Complete Poetry and Prose of Hairil Anwar described him as Indonesia's greatest literary figure. Hairil Anwar, popularly nicknamed Si Binatang Jalang or in English The Wild Beast, has only a short career, but in his short life of 27 years, he left a formidable presence in art, specifically in poetry, that later became the basis of modern Indonesian literature. During his short life as a poet that only lasts for 6 years from when he was 20 to 27 he wrote around 75 poems uh, he also wrote some prose actually though relatively less well known to general public compared to his poetry 
Most of those were unpublished at the time of his death, but were later collected in several collections of his work and then published uh, posthumously. The first collection that was published uh, was De Ru Champur Debu, or in English translated to Roar Mixed with Dust. It was published in 1949. And this, then the second one, it's Kerikil Kerikil Tajam dan Yang Terampas dan Yang Putus, or in English uh, Sharp Gravel and the Ravaged and the Broken, which was translated in, oh sorry, published in 1949. 49 and then the third tiga menguak takdir or three against fate which was published in 1950 many critics many uh, literary critics had drawn the conclusion about the influence of foreign uh, literature works in Heidel's writing in style and a few times in words but i won't talk about his style in this podcast or his wording <laughs> the rhyme, stanza, and other technical stuff, as I am absolutely not an expert. I am merely a fan of poems myself, so I won't talk about that. And um, as one of the most prominent poets ever in Indonesia, from Indonesia, Heidel's work now have been translated into Dutch, English and French as well. Um, oh, I just realized this. So before I continue, I have to tell you this. So I address Hyril Anwar as Hyril. Unlike those, some of you who may come from a country where you address someone by their first name. Uh, sorry, last name in Indonesia, the thing like last name is not so common, so we address each other using our first name. So I, I just feel I need to tell you that. Um, so Hyril Anwar is a slow writer. He once admitted that writing a poem cannot be done instantly; every word has to be digged and explored to its depth. All words have to be. considered, chosen, sometimes deleted, thrown away, then taken back again, then sorted into a whole new face. On another occasion, he also said this, everything, everything that goes into the making of this fundamental, essential way must be experienced, endured in his spirit, his aspirations, his emotions, his thoughts, And his own knowledge of life by the poet himself must become a part of him, of his gladness and sadness, his possessions belonging to his spirit. That's quite passionate, I think. In those six years of a poet career, Hyril wrote every year. So, the first time he wrote when he was 20 is in 1942. He wrote two. One is Nissan, his first recorded work, and then in 1943, he wrote the most. He wrote 33 of his poems, including Aku, or Me, his most celebrated work that year. And then in 1944, he wrote three. 1945, he wrote four. 1946, he wrote 16. The second year, he wrote the most, and. In 1947 he wrote 4 and 1948 he wrote 8 and in 1947 he wrote 6 before he passed away. His last recorded work is uh, Derai Derai Cemara. It's translated to Fair Trace in Rose by Button Ruffle, but in other publications such as Buni Sri Bun Sri Umariati's dissertation Hyril Anwar, a poet and his language, the poem was translated to Whispering Pines. Uh, Hyril Anwar is considered the most unanalyzable, the least explicable of all Indonesian's poets, but I, I personally think he is not that unanalyzable. Of course, of course, a few studies has been conducted 
to decipher his language in his poetry and some uh, had pointed out the complexity of his works his language you know chosen word wise and context wise in his poetry but i think i personally think he simply preferred to have people relate or empathize with his works from each ground they're standing on like could be different from one another but all are the truth it's their interpret uh, interpretation i mean people could interpret things differently right like thoughts are free anyway i'm going to recite for you some of his work which i choose for a particular reason i will read in its original version in bahasa indonesia first and then the english version although if i'm if i am allowed to be honest i as an indonesian uh bahasa indonesia being my native language i feel like the english version could only express around 60 to 70% of the rich the very extremely rich emotions described in the poems by hyrels himself they're not as angry not as passionate not as cynical and void but i guess that's the thing with uh, literary translations especially in poetry when word where words are you know carefully picked and interpretations stay wide open so i guess yeah it's i i i couldn't it's it can't be helped for me to feel like that The first uh, Hyrule poetry I will read for you is Nisan or Gravestone in English. For simple reason, I chose this for simple reason because it's his first known work. Uh, one thing though I have to address because later I will read the original version in Bahasa Indonesia and then I will uh, directly read the English version. So I have to address this first about the translation uh, the English version of this uh, poetry so in a book called The Complete Poetry in Prose of Hyrel Anwar which was edited and translated by Barton Raffel there's this uh, dedication part in the first uh, line of the poetry so Hyrel uh, wrote untuk nenek kanda nenek is the Indonesian word of grandmother and in uh, Burton Raffles book that was translated to for my grandfather instead of grandmother so i honestly have no idea how such thing could happen but i'm going to recite what i think to be the correct translation so grandmother instead of grandfather this uh, poetry was written in 1942 and hyril anwar gain recognition after writing this here i give you nisan or gravestone nisan untuk nenek anda bukan kematian benar menusuk kalbu keridoanmu Menerima segala tiba Tak ku tahu tinggi itu di atas debu Dan duka Maha Tuhan tak bertahta Gravestone For my grandmother It's not death, no, that stabs at my heart, but your willingness to go. No, do I know how high you are now, supreme over dust, over sorrow. Nisan. 
The second poetry I will recite is Aku or Me because this is his most famous, celebrated and highly acclaimed poetry. Actually, not only the most celebrated among his works, but it's like the most celebrated poetry of the overall works of poetry in Indonesia. Uh, Aku, this this poem was written in 1943, and um, there's this fun fact. It was first rejected by the Japanese force who then occupied Indonesia for its period of individuality and fatality. So, he initially changed the title from Aku to Semangat or Spirit in English. And his nickname, Si Binatang Jalang or The Wild Beast, came from a lion in this poem. Um, the English translation, the English version that I'm gonna read for you is translated by Button Raffle. So here it is, Aku or Me by Hairil Anwar. Aku, kalau sampai waktuku, ku mau tak seorang kan merayu, tidak juga kau. Tak perlu sedu-sedan itu. Aku ini binatang jalang. Dari kumpulannya terbuang. Biar peluru menembus kulitku. Aku tetap meradang, menerjang. Luka dan bisa ku bawa berlari. Berlari hingga hilang pedih perih. Dan aku akan lebih tidak peduli. Aku mau hidup seribu tahun lagi. Me, if my time has come, I don't want anyone to back, not even you. I don't need that sniveling. I am but a wild animal, exiled from his own group. Even if bullets pierce my skin, I will still enrage and attack. Wounds and poison I'll take running, running until the pain lifts, and I will care even less. I want to live. A thousand more years. The third poetry I will read to you is Krawang Bekasi, and I I choose to read this for quite rather personal reason, because Krawang Bekasi is the first ever poetry I got to recite in front of other people. When I was in fourth grade, Krawang Bekasi was written in 1948, uh, and it is written in his support in Hyrule's support of Indonesia's resistance to the Netherlands occupation and the fight to maintain independence. And this poem particularly depicts what what's now known in the history as the massacre of Rawagede. It's a massacre committed by the Netherlands army to people in the village of Rawagede now known as Desa Balongsari, which located between Krawang and Bekasi, regencies in West Java, Indonesia. And one fun fact before I read you the poetry. So, one of Indonesia's most prominent literary critics, Hans Bagayasin, or Habeyasin, known, he's known as Habeyasin in the media, in his writing called uh, Karya Asli Saduran dan Plagiat, or in English um, original adapted and plagiarized works 
he pointed out the heavy similarity of Krawang Bekasi to the dead young soldiers by Archibald MacLeish and that writing became the reason of the plagiarism accusation directed to Hyrul Anwar. I don't know if it's true or not since I'm not an expert but this poetry stays one of the most important poetry in my life as the first ever I got to recite. So here I bring you Krawang Bekasi by Hyrul Anwar. Rawang Bekasi Kami yang kini terbaring antara Krawang Bekasi Tidak bisa teriak Merdeka Dan angkat senjata lagi Tapi siapakah yang tidak lagi mendengar deru kami Terbayang kami maju dan mendegap hati Kami bicara padamu Dalam hening di malam sepi Jika dada rasa hampa Dan jam dinding yang berdetak Kami mati muda Yang tinggal tulang diliputi debu Kenang Kenanglah kami Kami sudah coba apa yang kami bisa Tapi kerja belum selesai Belum bisa memperhitungkan arti 45 ribu nyawa Kami cuma tulang-tulang berserakan Tapi adalah kepunyaanmu Kaulah lagi yang tentukan nilai tulang-tulang berserakan Atau jiwa kami melayang untuk kemerdekaan, kemenangan, dan harapan. Atau tidak untuk apa-apa. Kami tidak tahu. Kami tidak lagi bisa berkata. Kaulah sekarang yang berkata. Kami bicara padamu. Dalam hening di malam sepi Jika ada rasa hampa Dan jam dinding yang berdetak Kenang, kenanglah kami Teruskan, teruskan jiwa kami Menjaga Bung Karno Menjaga Bung Hatta Menjaga Bung Syahrir Kami sekarang mayat Berikan kami arti Berjagalah terus Di garis batas pernyataan dan impian Kenang Kenanglah kami Yang tinggal tulang-tulang diliputi debu Beribu kami terbaring Antara Krawang, Bekasi Krawang, Bekasi We who are lying Now Near Krawang, Bekasi We can no longer cry out Freedom! No longer left our rifles. But who cannot still hear our moans? Still see us marching forward unafraid? We speak to you out of the suspended silence of evening. When the chest feels empty. When clocks take away time. We died young. All that remains of us, bones covered with dust. Remember, remember us. We've tried, 
done all we could. But the job isn't finished, it's hardly begun. We've given the lives we had, the job isn't finished. No one can count up still the meaning of 4,000 or 5,000 lives. We are only scattered bones, but they belong to you. And you will decide the value of these scattered bones. Either we died for freedom, for victory, for hope, or for nothing. We don't know, we can no longer say, only you can speak now. We speak to you out of the suspended silence of evening. When the chest feels empty, when clocks take away time. Remember, remember us. Let our lives live on. Guarding Sukarno, guarding Hatta. Guarding Shahrir, we are corpses. Give us meaning. Keep watch over the frontier between reality and illusion. Remember, remember us who survive only in these bones covered with dust. Thousands of us. Lying ni Krawang Bekasi. The fourth poetry I will read to you is Siasia or In Vain. Some translated Siasia to Fertility, but the English version I'm gonna read to you is the one translated by Barton Raffel and Nurdin Salam. So, this poetry, Sia Sia, is one of, I think, he's in popular culture. This is the second most well-known and most talked about after Aku, which I read to you before. This is the last verse, the last line from this poetry is one of the most popular saying taken from a poetry. It has since been adapted into mural, into painting and other forms of art. So here I bring you the fourth poetry, Sia Sia or In Vain by Hairil Anwar. Sia-sia. Penghabisan kali itu kau datang Membawaku kembang berkarang Mawar merah Dan melati putih Darah dan suci Kau tebarkan depanku Serta pandang yang memastikan Untukmu Lalu kita sama termang, saling bertanya, apakah ini? Cinta, kita berdua tak mengerti. Sehari kita bersama, tak hampir menghampir. Ah, hatiku yang tak mau memberi, mampus kau. Dikoyak-koyak sepi. In vain. The last time you came, you brought bright flowers, red roses, white jasmine, blood and holiness. 
and spread them in front of me with a decisive look for you. We were stunned and asked each other, what's this? Love? Neither of us understood. That day we were together, we did not touch. But my heart will not give itself to you and does not care that you are ripped by desolation. The fifth poetry I will read to you called Yang Terampas dan Yang Luput or The Captured and The Freed Although in another publication, instead of Yang Terampas dan Yang Luput, the title is Yang Terampas dan Yang Putus, in English translated to The Ravaged and the Broken. But here, I will read what I first know this poetry for, Yang Terampas dan Yang Luput. This one, um, the English version, was translated by Barton Raphael and Nurdin Salam. This is one of one of his most famous, but also very much talked about because he mentioned the word Karat in this poetry. Karat is a village in Jakarta, and Hyril, when he passed away, he was uh, buried there. So it's like it's as if he knew already when he wrote this poetry that he's about to die and would forever rest there in Karet. So it's quite it's something to think about. So here I give you Yang Trampas dan Yang Luput or The Captured and the Freed by Hairil Anwar. Yang terampas dan yang luput Kelam dan angin lalu mempesiang diriku Menggigir juga ruang di mana dia yang kuingin Malam tambah merasuk Rimba jadi semati tugu Di karet Di karet daerahku yang akan datang Sampai juga deru dingin Aku berbenah dalam kamar, dalam diriku, jika kau datang dan aku bisa lagi lepaskan kisah baru padamu. Tapi kini, hanya tangan yang bergerak lantang, tubuhku diam dan sendiri, cerita dan peristiwa berlalu beku. The Captured and the Freed Darkness and a passing wind rape me. I shiver, and so does the great room where the one I want is lying. The night sinks in, the trees are as dead as columns of stone. At Garret, at Garret where I go next, The cold wind blows just as noisily. I'm tidying my room and my heart in case you come. And I can set free a new story for you. But now it's only my hands that move fiercely. My body is quiet and alone. The tale and the time go stiffly, icily by. The sixth and the last the last poetry I will read to you in this episode 
called kasabaran or with patience. Um, this is my personal favorite among all Hairul uh, Anwar's work. This, the English version of this, the one that I'm gonna read you, was done by Darwin May. He is a contemporary author. Born and raised in London, he got in touch with Indonesian literary scene when he worked in Jakarta from 1955 to 1958 as a lecturer in English in the University of Indonesia. In my opinion, my personal opinion, among all who did uh, translating Heidel's work to English, Darwin May did the best job. And One more thing before I read to you the poetry. So in this poetry, you will hear the word gonggonging. So it basically means uh, barking. And I I love that Darwin May, instead of, you know, translating the word into some English word, he chose to maintain the original Indonesian version. I love that. Anyway... This is Kesabaran or With Patience by Hairil Anwar. Kesabaran Aku tak bisa tidur. Orang ngomong, anjing gonggong. Dunia jauh. Mengabur, kelam mendinding batu, dihantam suara bertalu-talu, di sebelahnya api dan abu. Aku hendak berbicara, suaraku hilang, tenagaku terbang, sudah tidak jadi apa-apa. Ini dunia enggan disapa, ambil peduli. Keras membeku air kali Dan hidup bukan hidup lagi Kuulangi yang dulu kembali Sambil bertutup telinga Berpicing mata Menunggu reda yang mesti tiba I cannot go to sleep Men talking Dogs gonggonging Yet the world seems to fade The darkness a wall of stone Where the voices only beat The fire and the ash beyond it There is something I want to say But I have neither voice nor energy Well It's of no importance, for the world declines to be addressed. The river water freezes, and life is life no longer. I think of what returned before, closing my eyes, closing my ears, waiting for the peace that must come. So that's all the sixth the sixth poetry I choose to read to you and I hope you enjoy them. Hyril Anwar once said this about word He said, the word is something that spread its roots, lives from age to age, stuffed with values, dreams, and hopes. It is love and vengeance. Words are truth. The word cannot be enslaved by two masters. The word is the thesis itself. I mean, everyone. Everybody can say whatever they want about his poems or... He as a human being, but I think there is one thing that could never be disregarded. 
and that is his truth. His work dealt with various themes including death, individualism, existentialism, and were often multi-interpretable. I personally love to categorize his work into several groups, theme-based. One is Life and Death, where he wrote about death, some in mocking emotional background and some in rather surrendering tone. His works in this theme include uh, Nissan or Gravestone, Nocturno or Nocturne Department, Aku Berkisar Antara Mereka or in English, I Run Around With Them, and Penghidupan or Life. I will read you a line from his poetry called Nocturno, Nocturne the Fragment, that really stick out to me. It said, Pena dan penyair, keduanya mati, berpalingan. In English, it, I could translate it as, Pen and poet, both are dead, back to back. I, I just think that is so hollow. I always have this strange feeling in my stomach every time I come across that line. The second theme is religion and spirituality. His work in this theme include the masjid or at the mosque, doa or prayer, which he dedicated to the firm believer in his word, then Isa or Jesus, he dedicated to true Christians, and kepada peminta-minta or to a beggar, which was one of his most famous. His works in this theme showed many layers of human Hairil Anwar and his regard to God and the concept of religious faith, which uh, particularly portrayed in two of his uh, poetry in this theme. In At the Mosque, he wrote about fighting God in a duel, and then in Prayer, in Doa, He proclaimed his need of God and desperately begged for help. And that's quite something to think about. The next theme is love, uh, including relationship, intimacy, just his overall idea of love. Uh, some of his works in this theme were famously dedicated to women he had affair with including to the Arctic or to this ice cream. My personal favorite of his love poem is Lagu Biasa or An Ordinary Song. There is a part in Ordinary Song, in an ordinary song that I really love. Uh, I will read it to you. Ia mengerling, ia ketawa, dan rumput kering terus menyala. Ia berkata, suaranya nyaring tinggi. Darahku berhenti berlari. Oh, and the English version. Um, she wings, she laughs, and the dry grass blazes up. She speaks, her voice is loud. My blood stops running. Quite sexy, wasn't it? I love this lines. And um, his. The next theme is spirit of resistance and individual freedom, such as uh, his poem Aku or Me and Kepada Kawan or To a Friend. And then the last theme is the spirit of uh, nationalism and patriotism, especially since when the time by the time he wrote his poetry, Indonesia was struggling to gain independence and then to maintain independence. Some of his work regarding uh, the spirit of nationalism are Krawang Bekasi and Diponegoro. In his latest days, his works portrayed uh, his willingness to surrender. It's like a tranquil acceptance of fate. Let it be what might be, as depicted in his poetry His last poetry, The Rai Durai Cumara, or Fair Tree in Rose, I will read to you the last stanza of this poetry. 
it goes um, Hidup hanya menunda kekalahan Tambah terasing dari cinta sekolah rendah Dan tahu ada yang, tidak teru- ada yang tetap tidak terucapkan Sebelum pada akhirnya kita menyerah uh, In English, this time I chose to read you my own translation It uh, goes um, Life is a loss in pending Estranged from the lowliest who love And knowing there are some that won't be said Before eventually we give up Quite different, yeah, from what we heard in Aku In me, his cry of wanting to live a thousand more years And then this time it is like Let come what may Yeah, but He certainly wrote a lot about those five themes and I think overall he he his writing his works deal with being a human being and I loved that about him. Hyril Anwar passed away in April 28, 1949. His cause of death is uncertain. Some suggest syphilis, which falls in line with his reputation as notorious womanizer. Some also suggested lung diseases as the cause of his death. Many believed to be tuberculosis. But according to hospital records, he was first admitted for uh, Tefoid. Hyril Anwar is highly, was highly influential in the development of other Indonesian poets. He transformed both the Indonesian uh, literary scene and the language itself, Bahasa Indonesia. And now, 70 years after he's gone, people still look into the depth of which word he wrote, into the space of which line he wrote, trying to find comfort, strength, meaning, or sometimes simply to remember him, his life, and his legacy. The anniversary of his death at 28 April is celebrated as National Poetry Day in Indonesia. remember after reciting uh, Krawang Bekasi for a competition, I asked my mom to get me a book about Hairi Lanwar and she got me a collection of his works called Deru Campur Debu or in English uh, Roar Mixed with Dust but the English translation got nothing like the deep emotion contained in the original Bahasa version like Deru Campur Debu Uh, at that time, th- that t- uh, the title alone fascinated me. I thought it was so poetic. And after reading more his poetry and his life, his life also fascinated me. A few uh, literary critics thought that Hyril had predicted himself to have a short life, reflected in his poems such as Yang Trampas dan Yang Luput or The Captured and the Freed. I could never understand that. He was too passionate, lived too recklessly for someone who wants to die young. Besides, everybody's full of passion at that age. You know, but as I age, having tested my own share of often bitter aftertaste of living, I feel like I could understand him a bit more. Just his stance about life and his way of pursuing life that sometimes the more pessimistic your view of life is, the more you be able to live recklessly, like it's gonna end soon anyway, why not making the most out of this very little time? Although, although I don't necessarily agree of Hyrule's version of making the most out of life, the humanizing part especially. Um, even now, literature enthusiasts, art enthusiasts, still talk about his methods of exploring feeling and expressing them. 
To some, it's almost spiritual. He's treated as a guru of journey to inspiration. Some read his poet, his poetry uh, religiously. And I guess once again, I would never fully understand what's going on in his mind when he wrote those poetry of his, or why he live he lived his life the way he did. No matter how many books I read about him, because you know, human mind is an enigma, and I think we can all agree in that. I love once said this of his words, my prose and my poetry too, have to be scraped and dark word by word as far down as I can get to the center of the word, the core of the image. He is nicknamed the wild beast, the rebel, the bohemian, but above all, he's a human being who wrote about being human, the good and the bad the calm and the wild, peace and chaos. His name is Hyril Anwar, and this is the end of the first episode of A Bit of This and A Bit of That. My name is Yelia Zamzuli Baharani. I thank you for listening to this, and until the next episode, bye-bye!